The battered car Valter was driving slowed to a halt, and Valter stopped to take a deep, long breath. He turned around to see Aloysia sitting in the back seat of the vehicle, staring straight ahead, intentionally avoiding his stare. Give me your gun, Aloysia demanded. Boss, he called to her, you're still fucking bleeding. You've not given yourself enough time to heal. You have no idea when you will fucking give out, Volta protested, reaching for his weapon and handing it to her. He watched as she tucked it into the back of her denim jeans and used the blue hoodie she had on to cover it. You never needed guns, boss. In your heart, you have to know this is a terrible idea. You were the one who told me the time to strike was now, Aloysia responded, rolling her eyes. She reached for her two pins laying on the seat beside her. She turned her hair into a bun and used the pin to hold her hair bun up. When I said the time to strike was now, I meant I would get some of the boys together and we would make it happen. His eyes darting around as she got ready. I don't let boys do what I can achieve myself, Aloysia responded. She glanced at him, opened the door and stepped out of the vehicle. Two cars had pulled up and were idling beside Volta's vehicle. Two men stepped out of one of them and three men stepped out of the other. Aloysia stood up straight and had a faint smile on her face as the five men approached her. This is getting fucking crazy, boss. This is not a good idea, Volta continued, stepping out of his car. I think we can live to fight another day. You're not ready. A look of anger flashed across Aloysia's face and she turned to Volta. This whole hospital could not take someone with half my strength. Best believe I'm walking out of here tonight. She paused. Aloysia turned to the men standing in front of her, two of whom were rubbing their hands. The rest were staring at her with wide-eyed, fixed gaze. Your mission today is to make sure no one gets past you. You got this front entrance with your lives. Do you understand? The men nodded. You're going to be the foundations on which I grow my organization. Today signals the end of an era and the beginning of a new world. Aloysia continued with clenched fists. That bitch fucked it all up. So we're taking her down first. Aloysia turned and started walking up the stairs that led to the front door. As she climbed, she winced and bent over. Valter ran to her side and tried to support her. Aloysia sprang to her feet and pushed him away. What the fuck do you think you're doing? I'm here for you, boss. Valter took a step back. You forget your place, Aloysia said, squinting and pointing her finger at him. For fuck's sake! You're not ready, Valter said, increasing the pitch of his voice. Aloysia came down the stairs with her clenched fist and sent it into his face. Valter lost his footing and fell back into the concrete floor. You fucking stay out here with the boys. I don't need your freaking energy. Valter struggled to get to his feet as the blood streamed down his nostril. You broke my nose, you fucking bitch. He said under his breath as he watched her go up the staircase. 
He finally got to his feet and started towards his car. Elijah grimaced as she stepped through the front doors. She opened and closed her fist as she walked to the front desk. Everything is going to be fine, she muttered under her breath. The pain in her shoulder had suddenly exploded to life after she punched him. She tried to ignore it as she approached the nurse manning the desk. Good evening, ma'am, the nurse at the front desk began. How can I help you? Good evening, Elizy began, making sure to feign a smile. I'm here to see the superintendent. And who might you be? The nurse pulled out a sheet of paper. Her sister, Aloysia, she continued. Ah, I see. The nurse continued to look back towards the security guard who was standing a few feet away. I'm sorry, ma'am, you're unauthorized to see her. I am her sister, Aloysia declared. I'm sure she's excited to see me. At least she will be when she sees me. The guard approached the desk, and the second guard started in their direction. Is there a problem, ma'am? The guard asked with an inquisitive look on his face. She won't let me see my sister, sir, Aloysia responded, feigning concern. Unfortunately, you're not authorized to see her. The guard continued reaching for his club. There was a loud gunshot and everybody was cut off guard for a few seconds. There was another, and another. What the fuck's going on? The guard bellowed as he reached for his gun in his holster. Who the fuck are you? He said, turning his gaze to Aloysia, who was looking unflinchingly at him as the chaos continued outside. You don't want to do that. Aloysia responded calmly. Put your hands up now! The guard screamed, pointing his weapon at her. Raise the alert, he said to the nurse. Aloysia slowly raised her hands. As she reached to the ceiling, she pulled the pin from her hair and she held it tightly in the palms of her hand. The security guard approached her slowly while keeping an eye at the front door where the shooting had subsided. When he was within arm's reach, Aloysia made her move. Like a cobra, she took the pin in her hand and stabbed the man in the back of his palm. The guard reflexively spread his hands and the gun fell out. Aloysia grabbed him by the arm and pulled him towards her as he screamed in pain. She whispered in his ear, I told you not to do that. She grabbed the pin and thrust it into his arm. She stood over him as he writhed in pain. You'll be fine. It's just a flesh wound. The second guard aimed his gun at Aloysia. Many men have overestimated their abilities against me. Don't be the next one. I came for one person tonight. You can force your way onto my list, or you can look away now. Return to those you love. That is my final warning. Put the gun down. Aloysia said calmly, rolling her hair into a bun and holding it up with her pin. The guard looked to the nurse, whose mouth was a gaping shock, and slowly put his gun down. A man appeared at the end of the hallway and he started sprinting towards them. Aloysia observed the man in the lab coat. He could not be any younger than 60, but he seemed a lot more athletic than he looked. I heard gunshots, he said, stopping beside Aloysia. 
He turned to the nurse who was shaking her head vigorously. Then he observed the man on the floor bleeding and the other security guard stepping away. Oh, yes, doctor, you're quite right. You are going to be my guide, she grabbed him by the coat and pushed him into the hallway. You're going to take me to her now. Listen, ma'am, this men are bleeding. They need to be attended to immediately. The doctor responded. What's your name, doctor? Aloysia asked, straightening his coat. Dr. Ransford, is it? She asked, staring at his name tag. This is a hospital. I'm sure you can find someone to take care of them. Now, take me to her, Aloysia said, shoving him. Ransford fell forward into the hallway, then he started getting up slowly. Aloysia grabbed him by the collar, and started dragging him across the hall. I don't even know who you're interested in seeing, Ransford protested as his legs dragged behind him. There was a loud bang, and a bullet whizzed through the air and through Aloysia's stomach. The shot caught her by surprise, and she stumbled forward. There was another shot, and then another. Before Aloysia pulled out a gun from a denim, and started firing wildly at the door. You! She growled. I should have offed you before I took out that pig, she screamed. She took a deep breath as the pain shot across her body. She was still on her feet. I'll come back to you, she said, dragging Ransford across the hallway as she began to bleed from her arm and stomach. Just as she turned the corner, she fired several more shots towards the hall. Then she pushed the elevator button and the door swung open. Take me to her, she growled at Ransford, who nodded and pushed the number five on the elevator button. She's going to pay for her crimes. She has to, she said as the elevator door closed. How are you feeling? Jack Sauer asked as Melissa stayed awake. Much, much better, Melissa said sitting up straight in the bed. The nightmares, the anxiety, Jack asked, leaning forward in his seat, which was across from the bed. It's not gonna weigh. But I think I'm slowly getting my bearings back, she responded with a smile. You'll have to forgive me. I didn't know how crazy it was out there. When the bodies started to roll in, you know, people I know. My heart felt so heavy. Jack continued. The consistent thing I hear in the office is that people think it was the right call. The people who couldn't make it are hailed as zeros. Everyone, I mean everyone is looking forward to having you back in the office, he responded with a smile. Even Eric? Melissa inquired with a faint smile. Even Eric. He came to my desk yesterday and he told me to tell you he's sending his best wishes. And he can't wait to have you back, Jack said with a laugh. Yeah, let's see how long that is going to last. Melissa snickered, slowly getting to her feet and walking to the window. She grabbed the handle and pulled at the windowsill. Seconds later, fresh breeze was flowing through the open window. The room was quiet as Melissa took in a long, deep breath. Then she gazed out the window 
at the view of the city. The Harmony Tower stood out in all its magnificence and observed the hint of green against the walls. Are the lights on? It's a bit early, wouldn't you say? Melissa asks, turning to Jack. The Harmony Tower? Yes, Jack said, getting to his feet. They've had it done the last 72 hours as a tribute to you and the fallen officers. The governor dedicated it to you, and it says it will stay on till you're out of the hospital. So, he's finally recognizing the work the department did and not trying to hog all the attention, Melissa responded, scoffing. Then she stared at a double-decked bridge in the distance. She squinted to see if she could see the Engelstadt River. After a few seconds, she gave up and continued to look around at the city skyline. I'm just glad I'm alive to see the day when reunification became a major possibility, she said, taking a deep sigh as her eyes welled up. She looked down onto the ground floor and watched three cars slowly pull up to the hospital. They seemed innocuous enough, but something felt off about them. She continued to look as Jack reached out and rubbed her back. Then she noticed the fourth car pull up some feet away from them and stop. Is there anything you want me to let the folks at the office know? Jack said, interrupting her observations. Huh? What? Oh, yeah, Melissa said, looking away from the window and slowly making her way towards her bed. Just tell them the usual. I'm doing fine, looking forward to coming back to work as soon as I can. Of course. Jack said, walking to help her into bed. Thank you, Jack. I think I can handle it from here, Melissa said, getting into bed. Jack retreated back into his seat. The room had an awkward silence for several seconds. You come here every day, Jack. Is there something I should know? Melissa finally asked, piercing the awkward silence in the room. Jack furrowed his brow and looked away from her. Then he crossed his arms and sunk into his chair. I think you should just spill out what is bugging you, Melissa continued, unblinking and focused squarely on Jack. I saw you that day. You were hunched over, shrunken, wide-eyed, trembling uncontrollably. You called out my name. But I'm sure you couldn't even see me, he said, avoiding Melissa's focused gaze. I was shaking and frozen in place. A lot of things that happened after that are like a blur. I had no idea when I got home. All I remember was waking up in my bed. I wanted to wish it was a dream, but I, I cannot forget that look on your face, even if I wanted to. Aloysia leaned back, looked up at the ceiling, and exhaled loudly. I'm sorry. If, if that makes you uncomfortable, Jack quickly interjected. No, no, it doesn't, she responded with a smile that stretched to her eyes. I want to hear more, she said softly. I've always believed in you. I have, I have no idea why. The moment you came into the office... I thought there was something special about you. It was the first time I was confronted with the idea that I could lose you 
and your ambitions. I was terrified. Perhaps that is why I feel the urge to make sure you're doing well, Jack said, looking away. Melissa stood up from her bed and walked to Jack. She placed her arms around him as his shoulders shook and the tears streamed from his eyes. Melissa could feel her eyes welling up as he rested his head in her bosom. That is the sweetest thing anyone has ever said to me, she said softly into his ear. Things are going to be much better from now on. There was a loud bang and Melissa stopped in place and turned her gaze to the window. Then there was a chorus of gunfire and she rose to her feet and started walking rapidly towards the window. Melissa watched in horror as two men behind a vehicle shot at four men who were hiding behind vehicles. She placed a palm across her mouth and stepped away from the window. Then she felt her breath quicken as her eyes started to dart around the room. She suddenly felt the urge to wring her arm and she reflexively began to do it as she began to fidget in place. Jack darted to the window. He took one look at her. We have got to get you out of here, he declared. He came back, Melissa said, her eyes darting widely. Antonio came back. Her knees buckled and she collapsed in a heap as the gunfire continued relentlessly. Boss, Jack called to her, but it seemed she was sinking into herself. He came back for me, Melissa muttered to herself. Melissa, listen to me. I need you to stay calm, Jack said, sitting beside her. Whatever this is, it's not Antonio. Do you understand? Melissa was not responding. Jack stood up, ran to the sink, and grabbed the bowl that was lying there. He ran the water from the tap into a pan. Then Jack ran to the refrigerator and grabbed the ice tray. He poured the ice tray into the bowl. He stared it a bit, picked up the bowl of water, and walked to Melissa, who was curled up in a fetal position as she trembled. Please, don't hate me. He muttered under his breath as he looked at her in a vulnerable state. He dumped the ice-cold water on her and stepped back. Melissa stopped trembling. She looked up at Jack and nodded. Thank you, she said as her lips quivered. Jack nodded and walked to the window. He watched as the two men made their way cautiously towards the front door. Four of the five men lay on the floor. The last one was on his knees with his hands to the heavens as the two men approached him. Melissa slowly got to her feet. She wrapped her hands around herself as her teeth chattered furiously. Jack, she began. Jack turned away from the window. Of course, he said, slapping himself in the forehead. He ran to her bed and grabbed the blanket and wrapped it around her. Melissa smiled. Give me, give me something to wear from there. Melissa said, pointing at the wardrobe. Jack made a dash for the wardrobe and threw it open. There was a shirt with the skyline of Ingolstadt in it and a caption that read, City of Angels. There was also a new police uniform hanging in it. It's either this, he said, pulling out the shirt, or this, he continued, pointing at the uniform. I think we should go with this. Jack spread the shirt for her. Melissa shook her head. Jack grabbed the uniform and tossed it in her direction. Melissa threw down the blanket and began to undress. 
Jack walked to the window and stared down as she undressed. One of the men had his gun pointed at the lone survivor, while the other placed a foot on his chest. Jack couldn't take his eyes off the action. He watched as the man, who had his feet on the lone survivor's chest, tapped the man with the gun pointed at the constrained man on the shoulder. Then watched as the man raised his foot and the man on the floor squirmed away from them, stood up and started running away from the hospital. Are you holding? Melissa inquired. What? Jack shrugged, his eyes narrowing as he turned to her. Are you holding? She said, pointing to her holster. Holding? Oh, no, he responded quickly. I guess we have to improvise, Melissa said, taking a deep breath. There was a loud gunshot from below them. They're getting closer, she said. Have you called it in? What? Jack asked, confused. Oh, he said, reaching into his pocket and pulling out his cell phone and dialing the number. He placed the phone in his ear and waited. This is Jack Sauer of the superintendent's office. I want to report an ongoing incident at a hospital. He was quiet for a few seconds. Yes, several shots have been fired, he continued. How soon? There was another momentary pause. All right, we'll find somewhere to cover in the meantime, he said, dropping the call. They're already on their way. The ETA is about seven minutes, Jack concluded. The door swung wide open and Dr. Laura Hauser rushed in. Are you okay? she asked in a demanding tone. For the most part, Melissa responded confidently. Jack exhaled loudly. I swear, I thought my life was over, he finally said. What happened here? Laura said, staring at the puddle of water in the middle of the room. It doesn't matter. We have to get out now. What about the gunfire? Melissa asked, stepping forward. I'm not going to mince words. She's coming for you, and I need to get you somewhere safe, Laura said. She? Melissa asked, confused. Yes, and for what I could make out from the radio, she's frightening, so chop, chop, she said, slapping her palms together. Where are we going? Melissa said, stepping out of the room. Anywhere but here, Laura said, taking the lead. She led them down the hallway. Then there was a ding from the elevator, and all of them turned around. A woman who was bleeding stepped out from the end of the hallway, gritting her teeth. She had a gun in her hand, and her hand shook violently as she struggled to raise it up. You, you took him right away from me, she struggled to say as she clutched her stomach. She pulled the trigger, and the bullet whizzed through the hallway, shattering the glass behind them. You're going to pay. You fucking bitch. The woman continued, shuffling towards them. I will make you pay for killing poor Antonio. She continued, pulling the trigger again. The bullet whizzed through the air and struck Jack in the chest. He fell to the floor and Melissa cut him before his head could hit the ground. Laura was standing in place as the woman shuffled forward in their direction. Melissa held on to Jack, helpless to her fate. Then... There was another thing. What do you think they're doing here? John asked from the passenger seat as he turned to Anno God, who was sitting in the back. You know who's here, right? Anno asked, a cheeky grin appearing on his face. Who's here? Casper asked as five men stepped out of the vehicle. Anno God chuckled. 
Do you guys still think it's a good idea to do this alone? Who's here, Arno? Casper continued in an impatient tone, turning to stare at the grinning face of Arno God. You have reached the resting place of none other than Superintendent Melissa Fight. You sure you don't want to call this off till you get back up? Arno snickered. How would that work? Casper asked sarcastically. Drive down the border with ten cars in the hopes that the officers of the borders wouldn't consider us suspicious? I'm just saying, you have men who can take on these dirty tasks. I wonder why you're so intent on doing it yourself, Anno retorted. John tapped Casper in the shoulder, forcing him to face forward. Is that her? Casper stared at Aloysia in the distance as she addressed the men standing beside the vehicle. Yeah, that's her. Aloysia Groner, Casper said between gritted teeth. She looks a lot smaller than I thought she would be. John continued, stroking his chin. The deception is always a strength. Casper responded by cocking his fifty caliber. Desert Eagle under the steering wheel. I think three of us can take them out, John said, turning to Arno Gord. Whoa, whoa, whoa there. Sign the contract to tailor Loisia's every move. The contract did not include gunfights and the possibility of dying. Arno responded, his eyes wide, his mouth aghast. This is for Mike, John continued. What you don't understand is that Mike and I had a transactional relationship. I never considered him a friend. I never got invited to dine with the family. He paid me to find people, and I did that, Arno concluded. Navina has your money, Casper responded, saying as Aloysia made her way up the staircase. Got it. Anno said, making a move to open the door. Any news on Mara? John asked quietly, touching Anno on the arm. Anno stopped briefly. I'm very close. Expect something from me soon. John nodded as Anno stepped out of the vehicle. John and Casper sighed quietly. Then John broke the silence. You know, I've never quite understood how he did it. John pondered aloud. Casper turned to him with a cheeky grin. Let me guess. You're talking about Neuerf Offensive. You know. Oh, you have to tell me. I still don't get it. He asked for the best hairdresser and the groomer the state could provide. He kissed his wife, insisted he was not gone forever. Two days later, who turns in a flowy pink frock with an intoxicated General Michael Noyov stumbling into the camp in his arms. I really have to know how that story goes before I die, John said, cocking his Bruger. I swore on my life that I wouldn't spill the beans, Casper responded with a toothy grin. Frankly, I think he just likes teasing you with that story. He has told everyone but you. The bastard. John responded, slapping his forehead with his palm. Here are two tips. One, don't die today. Two, Arnold loves his whiskey. Perhaps after four shots of Hakushu, single malt whiskey, he begins to sing, Casper said, tapping John on the shoulder. Ready? John nodded. Let's finish this now.
Casper said, opening the door of his car and pointing the gun in the direction of one of the five men in front of the hospital. He pulled the trigger, and seconds later, a man slumped to the floor like a rag doll. John stepped out of his vehicle and aimed his gun at the second guy, who had his hands over his mouth, as the guy beside him hit the bonnet of the car and slumped to the floor. Seconds later, he was clutching his chest as he slid down the side of the vehicle he was standing beside, his blood acting as a lubricant. The garage disintegrated into chaos as Aloysia's men took cover behind their cars and fired incessantly at Casper and John, who were also prone behind their vehicles. The sound of glass shattering, metal clanking as the bullets hit the floor, and the footsteps as bodies hit the pavement filled the air for several minutes, and then the sounds faded, only to be replaced with the sound of leather on concrete. John and Casper walked over the corpses of the fallen five as they approached Volta, who was kneeling on the floor with his hands to the sky. John pinned him to the floor with his foot while Casper aimed the gun at Volta's head. Speak, Casper said out loud. What am I I supposed to speak about? Volta responded, narrowing his eyes and furrowing his brow. What the fuck are you all doing here? Casper continued. Isn't it obvious? We're here to fuck the superintendent up, Walter responded, trying to free himself from John's foot. John looked at Casper. Antonio, he said, as Casper nodded his head. Maybe we should let this play out. It could work in our favor, Casper said, cocking his gun. Whoa, whoa, Walter declared. Be careful with that. You mean, be careful as I blow your brains out, Casper said, shutting his right eye. I have information. Let me live, and I'll give you the most important information you can use today. Walter continued. Casper looked at John, who shrugged. Speak. Casper finally said, She has been shot in the arm. She's hardly as strong as she thinks, Walter said quickly. Fucking asshole. John said, slapping himself in the knee. That motherfucker got her. Casper pointed his gun at Walter's head for several seconds, then he stepped back. John unpinned him, and Walter struggled to get to his feet. If I even smell you, I will put a bullet through your head. Do you understand? Casper said. Walter nodded. Seconds later, he was scampering through the parking lot, jumping over the corpses of his dead colleagues. What do you think we should do about her? John asked as he reloaded his weapon. Take her out, frankly. How hard could it be? John and Casper climbed the staircase cautiously. They set themselves up on the opposite sides of the door and waited for the opportunity. What is your name, doctor? Aloysia's voice rang out from inside the hospital. Dr. Ransford, is it? This is a hospital. I'm sure you can find someone to take care of them. Now take me to her. John turned to Casper. Casper shook his head. John stood down. I don't even know who you're interested in seeing. Casper listened for the feet dragging on the floor. Then he turned to John and nodded. Casper pushed himself to the front door, aimed his gun and pulled the trigger. The bullet hit the mark and he smiled as Aloysia stumbled forward. I thought you said she was invincible. Casper whispered as John pulled his trigger. 
Aloysia turned to the two men and stared firing in their direction. Then she looked at Casper as she screamed, You! I should have offed you before I took out that pig, she yelled, before firing more shots in the direction. The two men took cover behind the front door as the bullets whizzed past them. Then it stopped. You still think it's going to be easy? John said as another round of bullets whizzed past them. It stopped, and John walked through the front door with his gun pointed into the hospital. Caspar walked in behind him and followed him to the desk. We're here for the superintendent. How do I get to her? John asked the front desk, avoiding the puddle of blood growing on the floor. Who are you? Her brother? Her cousin? Her sister? The guard responded as he walked to the nurse who was helping the man bleeding on the floor. I'm the dragon baron, so choose your words carefully, Casper said, placing his desert eagle on the table. The security guard shook his head in disbelief. Do you want to be the guy who caused the death of the superintendent? Frankly, we're the only ones who can save her now, Casper continued. Fuck. The fifth floor, the security guard said promptly. Good job, Casper said, picking his gun up and going down the hall. John followed behind. They turned the corner and Casper hit the button for the elevator. Seconds later, one of the doors of the dual-placed elevator opened. John took a deep breath and they both stepped in. Are you ready? Never been readier. Casper responded as he pushed the five button. The elevator door closed in front of them as Casper reloaded again. Laura put pressure on Jack's chest as he struggled to breathe, but she felt helpless as the woman stumbled in their direction. What did he do to you? How dare you take him from me? Melissa took a step away from Laura and Jack. Stand there, you bitch. Alessia motioned with her gun. Melissa complied, standing stoically in front of Laura and Jack in her full regalia. Aloysia, it's time to stand down, Casper said, appearing behind him. He had his gun drawn and trained at Aloysia. You again, Aloysia said, as a mixture of blood and spittle originated from her mouth. Her eyes widened when John stepped out from behind Casper. John Reichenau, she said, forcing herself to stand straight. You traitor! She closed her eyes and took in deep breath. She felt a burst of energy, and when she opened her eyes, the determination returned. She tossed the gun into the hallway. I'm going to tear you from limb to limb, she growled. You don't deserve the fortune of a quick death. She made a dash at the men. Casper pulled his trigger, but he did nothing to stop the approaching Aloysia, who slapped the gun away from his hand. She grabbed Casper by the collar and pushed him back. Casper stumbled and fell on his back. John aimed his gun at her, but before he could pull the trigger, Aloysia fell to the floor and swept him from under his feet. As John fell back, he pulled the trigger and watched helplessly as the bullet hit the ceiling. Seconds later, she was on top of him. She lashed, punched, and scratched at him. It felt like a hammer continually pounding his face as he struggled to protect it. 
He swore he could feel his jaw break as she hid him for what seemed like forever. His world was fading to black. Caspar watched in horror as Aloysia pummeled John into the floor for several seconds. He got to his feet and dove at her. He forced her off and tried to restrain her by holding her hands down. She resisted his efforts and slowly began overpowering him. She punched him in the throat and his eyes turned red immediately as he grasped it and started to cough. Aloysia stood up and grabbed him by the neck. You're a twig, she whispered in his ear as his feet dangled in the air. I can snap you, she continued, slamming him into the floor. Casper blacked out. Aloysia grabbed Casper's gun and walked up to John, who was still laying on the floor, struggling to breathe. After all we did for your family, you tossed us aside. You tossed us into the darkest, blackest of oblivion. What happened to the talk of freedom? She said, slowly calming down. She hunched her back and leaned against the wall. Y'all talked about the revolution. How you were going to make the world a better place. The moment my father began to question Mike's action, he pulled the trigger and splattered his brains everywhere. Aloysia fell to the floor and pulled herself to John's side and used all her strength to sit up on his chest. I do this for him, Aloysia continued forcing the nozzle into John's mouth. This is for the revolution. John closed his eyes. A loud bang filled the hall as brain matter splattered across the floors and the walls. Caswell opened his eyes to the gore in front of him. He jumped to his feet and pulled the cups of Aloysia off of John. Then using his palm, he swept the blood and matter off of John's face. John took a deep breath and stared to cough. Caswell grabbed his gun and was about to put it in his holster when Melissa stepped forward. Hold it! Put the weapon down! She ordered as she pointed Aloysia's weapon, which she had tossed into the hallway at him. Don't move! Caswell tossed the weapon to the ground and stepped away as John slowly got to his feet. Who are you, and why are you here? Melissa demanded. Dr. Ransford appeared from the corner and rushed to Dr. House's side. I'm John Rackinow, John said in a hoarse voice. The name sounds familiar, Melissa said, turning to Jack and turning to the men in the hallway. We came to save you. So if you can stop waving that at us, John continued. Save me? Melissa looked at them, confused. You knew this woman? We had a long history, John said, looking at the cops of Aloysia, which had a bullet hole in the back of it. A long, strained history. And you? Melissa said, turning the gun on Casper. Casper stood stoically. I'm the dragon baron, he said confidently. Oh, for fuck's sake, Melissa declared in disbelief. <laughs>